Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. Oh, hey there, everyone. Didn't see you over there. But I want to welcome you to my podcast where I'm going to read from a book for all of you. This is Ducks Read Together. And my name is Kylie. And on today's and episode... I will be the only one conducting this interview. And on today's episode, we talk about... Directed by... <laughs> yeah, I don't think you got his first name there. I, I think oh, you... try again. There it is. Mikhail Hanukkah. Mikhail Hanukkah. Okay. All right. Go for it, Kylie. Oh, I'm... <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Why are we... Hey, everybody! Uh, we... Banter, 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 <laughs> something, something, joke, joke, commentary. Okay, but, like, this has to be, like... Oh, Kylie gets mad! <laughs> <laughs> Josh has a breakdown! Uh, no, this is a serious episode, Kylie. No. We're no, talking about okay. serious movies. I kind of is. <laughs> it's also not like the, like, like when we have like the real serious stuff, like it's real serious, but I mean like. <laughs> and then we get real awkward, so we start cracking jokes. Yeah, this is, no, this is fake serious. Oh, it's fake serious. I mean like there could be hidden meetings. Uh, there could be what kind of meetings? Hidden. Oh, cachet. Hidden? Cachet meetings? Cachet? Yeah. Uh, listeners, this is a pre-recorded episode. Uh, it was recorded a couple weeks ahead of time, uh, just so you know that as well, because our friend Kylie is off doing something for the summer. You put this in there. This is an almost pretty perf- good list. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's, it's, it's all American. What? It's what? not all American films, but it's American film heavy. Oh, um, oh, call on me, call on me. There's one film in here that I don't think needs to be on here. Call on me, call on me. What's up? What book is it? We haven't said. Oh, well, here, you can see. Okay. I, but, the, <laughs> but it's an audio podcast, Kylie. Um, so when I started getting into thinking about films, I started with Mr. Jeremy Johns, mm-hmm. <laughs> who is a very easy way to get into thinking about films. I'm listening. Because Jeremy Johns is an extremely... Um, He's very commercial. He doesn't like make you feel dumb for liking the things you like. And blah, 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 blah. Okay? So from Jeremy Johns comes Mr. Chris Stuckman, the second leg. Um, and, and Chris Stuckman, I actually uh, appreciate some of his things on specific titles over others. Um, Chris Stuckman uh, grew up with a lot of anime. And so when I like, well, I'm looking at specific films, I'm like, let me go see what Chris Stuckman likes. You know, mm-hmm. It's like... We're homies. We're home. We're best friends. Um, so he came out with a book, and because I usually try to support the YouTubers and podcasters that I like when they come out with stuff, um, I usually buy their books. I actually have two Chris Stuckman books because he has this one, which is the Film Buffs Bucket List: The Fifty Film Movies of the Two Thousands to See Before You Die. Okay. This was the the last entry. I think is 2015. So. He may have wanted to wait, but it's okay. <laughs> That's okay. No, yeah. Um, he also has one. It's a collection of essays on animes, and I actually really like That's that That's cool. One. Um, I also recently bought Why We Love Star Wars, which it's like some amount of scenes of Star Wars would make it great, which I haven't even started reading yet. And then I... Have you... Side tangent, sorry. Yeah. Have you heard of the Discovering Star Wars pa- podcast? No. 
Um, it is, uh... Do we find people that have never seen Star Wars and make them watch Star Wars, make them discover it, and no. then they will no longer have the thing to say, like, well, I haven't seen Star Wars, as if that's an impressive feat? It's an in-depth look at how the film was made from the people who actually made it. Um... I think it made, yeah. was made sweatily. <laughs> yeah, fair, <laughs> yes. Um, nice, that's awesome. That... Oh, the reason why I have this book... Yes. ...is because... This is not the first time I ever heard of Cache. Uh-huh. Um, because I was a fan of... Directed by Mikhail Hanukkah. Uh, before that. Uh-huh. Because I had seen, uh, two of his films. Um, and so, like, I started getting into that. But I remember just, like, opening this book and seeing someone actually writing about Cache. Because, like, I knew that Cache was critically loved. Um, but it wasn't... Like, there are a lot of critics that do like it and hold it up. I don't see it often on a lot of lists of, like, mm -hmm. you have to see this film. It wasn't nominated for an Oscar. I think it was disqualified for some reason. I don't know the reason. Um, it might be one of those things where, so, in that category, foreign language film, which is now called international film, uh, if each... we do If we do say foreign language film, we're not doing it out of, like, high and mighty we're doing it because it's been called it foreign language film our entire life yes and so we're trying to help with that transition as well um each country is only allowed to submit one, one film and so you think france, france wanted a french director france probably chose something else yeah, yeah. because france uh no because austria does a more mm -hmm. but yeah um before we get too far into cachet, you brought that book there, and that just reminded me of something that I haven't talked about a whole lot on this. And, like, when I was right out of college, one of the first things that I started to do was I, I started a website, and that was I was going to write reviews, and I got some friends together to do that. And then that led me to, like, more and more film podcasts. And one of the first ones that I fell in love with is called Comedy Film Nerds. Um, and they also have a book that, like, as I like to support my YouTubers and my podcasters as well, um, I bought their book at the time and I even got it signed by all of them um, because I, I paid a tiny extra for it. Um, and this book just felt really similar to me. And, like, so what this one is, is it is uh, basically they take each uh, comedian who also likes film, took a, a genre, and they did, they listed their top ten favorite films in the genre. So, like, you've got sci-fi, westerns, comic book movies, fantasy, kind of a, other things, noir, Greg Proops writes for it, uh, Susie Nakamura. We should do this and put it on our Tumblr so that there's content on our Tumblr. Okay. Great idea, Josh. Yeah, Great I love idea, it. Great idea, Kylie. But this book... But more importantly... Forward by... Ah, <laughs> oh, there he is. There he is. <laughs> Mr. Movie himself. I know, so whenever I'm sad, I can just open this book. Scott Mance has a picture Scott in Mance. the back. Scott Movie Mance. Oh man, Graham Elwood. There's a card in here from Graham Elwood, who co-wrote this book. He's a comedian. Um... <laughs> Anyway, I, this book just felt like really special to me in a lot of ways, and I don't listen to comedy film nerds podcasts anymore. Um, I still download them actually, just out of love for them and their podcasts. I just I felt like I wanted a different set of content about when my movie listening and stuff like that. Um, you, should, you should just listen. You should just pick up like the next one and see what it's like. Yeah. So what I do for that is they have an Oscar special every year. It's them. So it's Chris Manzini and Grandma Wood and Doug Benson. And they have an Oscar 
one every year, and I always listen to the Oscar one. It's still the same podcast. No worries. All good. Um, but yeah, so anyway, that book, this book is special to me, and I think that way that book is special to you, and I thought it would be fun to just say that out there. Which brings me to our inquiry of the Half Fortnite Squared, which we've both kind of answered, but hey, friends, what are some film books that you like to read? Uh, let us know. Who got you started in thinking Who about got you film? started in thinking about film? Let us know at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. Ow. <laughs> uh, and you can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. And now on with the show. Well, like, I like what, so since I moved back here and Savannah moved back here, like, I feel like I'm getting her to watch more movies. Uh huh. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm more tastes changing. That's a good thing. You know what? You know what? You have introduced me to more anime. Um, no, <laughs> not that much. Well, Pokemon. I mean, Pokemon. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Eight episodes in, doing doing well. Yeah, I do know what I've introduced you to. Keanu. Keanu. <laughs> I mean, I was familiar with Keanu before, you but you were, but you weren't familiar with your love for him. Uh, fair enough. Yes. <laughs> y'all, y'all. I don't know if the Keanu songs is still going, but y'all folks. We we helped start the Keanu songs. Yeah. Thank you very much. I was here from the beginning, yes. everyone. Yeah. I was renting Point Break and Bill and Ted every week. <laughs> and where were you? <laughs> um, but you also little by little are getting me to watch more foreign film. Uh, which foreign language, foreign language film. film? Yes, um, international film. I also don't think that we use the word foreign as a negative. I word. don't either. So, like, if we do say foreign or foreign language, we use it as the 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 denotative meaning, which just means different from our own. Yes. And yeah. So absolutely. Like, so, like, yeah, the language is different from us. Also, the styles, the practices, the views, societies, they're different from our American viewpoints. And so, like, when we do say foreign, and I know that it has a negative connotation now, we're always going from denotative. I love that. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, But, yeah, and so it is a genre of film that is hard for me personally to get into. Um, And we've talked about this on other podcasts, so it won't spend too much, but, like, I am dyslexic, so reading is hard for me. It's why film is film and audio podcasts are like a good medium for me is because there's less reading, more visual, and there is that element of reading to uh, foreign language films, just because I have you have to be able to understand them. So it's hard for me to look at the visuals and the audio um, at the same time. So have it's you a barrier. Considered learning every language no, in the world. Have you yes. considered watching it? 50 times. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so that yes. you know yeah. what's going on. I will well, say... There are times when I... Maybe not so much with this film. This film only has dialogue. This was so dense. <laughs> but something like The Hunt, because I know, I've know i seen that so many times and I know what's happening, I now just sometimes like catch myself just watching it and not reading the subtitles. Yeah. And I go back and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What I will say is good good films uh good international films for me very much are films where the performers are emoting enough that i don't need the words to understand the emotions of the characters and the arcs of the characters and two very strong visuals from the director that are helping me to guide what i'm supposed to be looking at 
and supposed to be paying attention to. So I think that's, for me, why I glom on to a lot of mine are like Japanese and more Asian-focused uh, international cinema because they're a very visual storytelling society. Like, that's what they are. Whereas French cinema and European cinema is about mood and tone in a way that is much slower paced and is much more contemplative and introspective than traditional American cinema. I would say that the Japanese cinema is very similar as well, but the the European style is harder for me to glom onto for the reasons that the visuals are less, I guess, stylistic. Well, but Josh, just the score. Okay. I also <laughs> told Kylie this film had a huge barrier for me because... So, not only am I dyslexic, I have ADD, and so on films that are longer and slower, one of the ways that I can connect into them is their score, because it will help me stay emotionally involved in the piece. Hey, Kylie, what does Cachet not have? Lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, what else? <laughs> <laughs> A fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. There's a fight scene in this. With the child? Um, when they're trying to pack him in the car? I mean, yeah, that's a fight. Yeah. Chasing. Yeah. By the way, Blank Check brought up something that we suggested a long time ago in their collateral episode, and therefore they should credit us. Uh, they're which listening. Is, they are listening. Oh, we love you, David and Griffin. Will you help me with the name? Okay. Okay, she's in Widows. And Bad Times with the El Royale. Uh, Cynthia Erivo. Hey. In Mission Impossible 7. Uh-huh. What it should, should she run? She should be the villain. Yep. And she should chase down yes! Cruz. Yes! Yes! And catch him. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes! Other people are on board. Yes! <laughs> Heard it here first, nine listeners. Yes! You all tell Griffin and David where you heard it first. <laughs> so those have been my thoughts. Um, Cashier doesn't have a score at oh, all. I'm sorry. So- <laughs> I'm a little unfocused. There's no score happening right now. <laughs> so this film was hard for me to watch um, because I literally tried to put down all of my electronics because I knew that it was dense with dialogue. Um, and I just tried to give myself to the film and it was, it was hard, uh, because I wasn't allowed to pause. I had to start over every time. Uh, it took me seven days to watch this movie. Uh, (laughs) no, it took me one afternoon to watch this movie. Yeah. So Kylie, you also said going into this, you don't have a single friend who likes this movie. Like, person you know who likes this movie. Yeah, I just have critics. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, you have a person you know who likes this movie. See, I feel like I I wanted you to watch one of his films because I feel like you got the wrong taste with a more for Mikhail Hanukkah. (laughs) Um, Because Amor is his only other film that I've seen. And you said it's boring. It is. And I kind of agree. <laughs> it got a sequel. What? <laughs> what? No! What? Wait a minute! <laughs> They're dead! Michelle Hubert's not. Oh, Isabelle Hubert. Yeah. Did I see Michelle? Yeah, you did. 
<laughs> Who are you? She's one of your girls. She's one of your guys. I need to see Greta. Huh. Okay, well, so yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah, so. Okay, so you wanted me to watch another one of... We need Jennifer to tell us! We needed another one of his films. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this one's not the most messed up. <laughs> it's not? <laughs> nope. Listen, I've watched two Ari Aster films this weekend. This is fine. Oh, Josh. <laughs> All right, so Josh, you're asking me a question. Uh, was there more from Stuckman's book that you wanted to reference oh. in terms of this film? Um, do, do a do an intro. What what do we got? This is your this is your episode, friend. You're this is actually one of his longer ones. There are some that are like uh, so something like Shaun of the Dead only gets three paragraphs. Rude. They're never more than a page. This one has a full uh -huh. length one. I was actually interested that this was. There's so few foreign language films in here, and I understand why, but, like, I was, I was like, whoa, I can't believe this is the one. Um, it, one, I, something that I do like about his thing is that, um, honestly, can you think of something more terrifying than realizing your home is being watched? Who is the culprit? What does he want? And will he hurt my child? Cachet is less concerned with the answers to these questions and still remains focused on the turmoil they inflict on the lives of George and Anne Laurent. Played exceptionally by two people. Um, by Juliette Lewis and... Um, no. It's not, not Juliette Lewis. Um, Juliette Binoche and... Danielle um, Atwood. Yeah. Uh, so... Let's just spoil this film. Yeah, go for it. I yeah, mean, it's, it's hard to spoil this film because we don't. <laughs> I mean, I could talk about this one without spoiling this film, but like, we can spoil it too. Like, that's good. The film, the film itself, uh, the concept of it, which I didn't tell you anything about the concept. No, I, I just said there's to, no drugs. <laughs> to the point, well, because I was like, is the film Anne approved? Because I knew nothing about it, mm -hmm. um, and so there are exactly two moments of it mm -hmm. that I. And I always remember the two moments. But I was like, here are the only barriers that can lie for Anne. Mm -hmm. um, and they are just scenes of violence. They aren't scenes of drug use or yeah. anything like that. Um, the film itself is focused on a family. That's just a couple, really. They, they have a son, but... The uh, Perot's Eminem posters are sweet. So. Like, where did he get them? Like, how long has he had them up? Like, what are his favorite albums? What's his favorite Eminem songs? Like, this is what I need to know. Like, I was on board for the posters in Perro's room. So, it, it, it opens up with these opening credits, and you're watching them, and it's like, mm, 17 minutes of just, like, this single shot. And then talking starts. And yep. you realize that it's not just a still shot to do the credits on. But it's a recording of a videotape. So this family is increasingly getting more and more uh, videotapes of them, of their house. And they're getting these creepy postcards and, like, creepy stuff starting to happen. Nothing that's, like, too terrifying. It's all very placid. Mm -hmm. But it continues to build. And you find out that George is maybe not so... Maybe his hands aren't so clean of everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the film. 
Um, and you're kind of trying to figure out, well, who's sending these things? Yeah, that's the crux of the movie. Is like there's a mystery of like who is, for lack of a better word, haunting this family. Ghosts. Um, it's not ghosts. Um, me. You. It's you. You I, are doing it. It's I us. mean, it's us little viewers. To be fair, I believe there could be a reading of that. Like, what the director is trying to say is that the viewers are the people that are actually, like, causing this. And, like, it is his internal turmoil and downfall that actually is the the culprit. Um, and I say that because I might have missed this. Mm-hmm. So the actual, like, 100% for certain reveal of who is sending the tapes is not in the movie. No. So because that... Because once, yeah. after I saw it for the first time, I looked up, like, cachet explained, as yeah. you do. yeah. Um, and the first article that popped up was, um, it was an interview with Michelle Hahn and, well, You gotta say his name. Okay, gosh. Oh my gosh. Amor, directed by Mikhail Hanukkah. Okay, Mikhail Hanukkah. Um, where he was talking about if you're left with, if you're, you know, something like if you're not sure, if you're asking this question at the end of the film, you didn't pay attention. And I was like, oh no, it's me. <laughs> I'm the problem. And then I stopped looking stuff up. Mm-hmm. So I watched the film again. Not the same night. Right. But I tried to watch, I watched it again. And the second time around, I caught something. And every time I, I watch it, I catch something new and different. And I think that there's a lot of layers of things that he's putting into this film. Um, and there is so much dialogue that things sometimes don't always stick out the first time. Sometimes it's the second, fifth which, in a good mystery, I think that's really great because there's always clues that are going to help you along the way. And there's subtext with a lot of things, mm-hmm. and I think that there's some. Whether it's me putting it on the film or him saying it, I think that there is some cultural significance of things that he's trying to say, or at least I can interpret from the film. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um,. I will say that the the mystery of the film is what held me through. Um, a lot of the subtext was kind of like washing over me only because I was so, trying so hard to like grasp what was happening with the characters. So I know that like there is a background of this revolution that is happening or happened. But that's only a single line. But there's it's shown on the television several times over. That's something different. That's oh. modern day news. Okay. So like, okay. So in my current review, I talked about this thing that I caught on to. Because they're talking about there's a there's a there's a boy from his childhood whose parents worked on the farm and the he 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 drops this line and it seems so insignificant. But like, I looked it up and it it's talking about the Paris massacre of 1961, which he does not call it that. He right. says they went to Paris in 1961. Right. And that, like, that's, that's all, all you get. That's all you get. So, like, you may or may not actually catch on to what that is. And what it was was in the streets, it was during a war, but in the streets, um, Algerians who were living in uh, France went to Paris to peacefully protest and they were massacred. And it was, um, it's estimated to be 300 to 400 Algerian were just killed and their bodies were pushed into 
the river that's not called the river but the river Mm -hmm. in order to hide it and it was held under so much heavy uh it was essentially never talked about and then it was like 30 years later they took they took blame for about 40 deaths okay but estimated 300 to 400 people so like this whole time they're like nope that never happened that never happened that never happened now nowadays they do they do acknowledge it um but i was just that single line just pops up there are also several scenes of just massacres happening on the news right which is why i kind of thought that there was some sort of thematic element where he's talking about and I, I, I don't have any other thoughts than just the initial piecings of togethers of it seems like the director is interested in examining the victims of these terrible incidents, but also examining how the people who are hiding it. Yes. And that would be the, the media's representation as well. And I think that that would be in some ways then feeding into this read of the film that I may I have where like the actual voyeur, so to speak, of the film is the audience God. because his job is he's some sort of, I, I, I guess like some, like a C-SPAN, like political talk show host thing. Like it's kind of what it looked like to me. Um, and so he's commenting on all of these situations in the public media and therefore we are seeing him and that it is his internal guilt about what happened as a child and us as the voyeurs that are actually driving the action of the plot. And I think that that's a little bit headier of a reading, but it ties in with his idea and thought of what I think the film is about, which is that mixture of the people covering up the incidents and not just this one incident, but like all the tragedies of the world and the victims of the tragedies of the world. And in the scene in which the news broadcast is happening and in the background they're showing violence on the screen, which I don't know specifically what incident it is showing, the two characters have their backs to it. And mm-hmm. so not only is it like how it's not only just like they're hiding the fact of this happening, but they're not accepting it or they're not yeah. facing up to the fact yeah. that it happens. And so I think that it's very, the way that the specific one in my mind, they're looking for their son is that they are centered. They being the two couple. The two couple yeah. are centered right around the screen so mm-hmm. like they are the screen is almost always visual and mm-hmm. it's always in the middle and yeah. they're just beside it and so like part of it i think is like them me it's also us looking at the people who need to accept the responsibility for what happens because that's what george also needs to do throughout this is accept the responsibility of the actions that he made as a child mm-hmm. which he doesn't do no okay can i can I tell you what I think is a hot take that might actually be a cold take? Okay. I hate George. Yeah. Okay. We're not cold take. To like, we're not supposed <laughs> to like him. Okay. It's a French film. You don't have to like the person. I was worried that I was supposed to like George. I don't... I think that... I think that uh, the director does not want us... <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because we're both doing the same thing. We're just calling him the director because we can't pronounce his name, but we don't want to hit play on the bit. Like, I think that he... I mean, I don't know much about his past, but I think that he has just a very, from what I've seen, a very cynical look on uh, humanity. Uh-huh. And so... 
I don't think that we're supposed to like this main okay, character. Okay, good. Um, we're supposed to almost watch him revel in his own suffering. That, if is a true story, which I think the film is trying to say, mm-hmm. I don't think, for me, it doesn't go far enough in a way. I, because he's never actually punished. Because he's never punished and he never learns. There are several actions in the film that this man should learn, like, Oh man, I gotta own up for what I did as, as a kid. I gotta own up for what what I do as an adult. And then I gotta be a better person. And I don't think by the end of the movie, he knows any of that. Yeah, just like how the, you know, the government. Yes. <laughs> yes. And if he's, again, that representative figure, then that's great as well. I, I, would, I would dare to say that Mikkel's films are not literal. I would say that they're more metaphorical. And so, therefore, to, to, to try to paste upon this film a, a typical, I would even say American three-act structure arc onto a character is unfair to the movie. So I'm not going to do that, but I will definitely say, man, I hated this main character. I thought the performance was great, mm-hmm. but what it did allow me to do is my hating him so much, I found myself finding empathy, for, or sympathy even, for all the other characters around him, specifically his wife played by Juliette Binoche, the grown-up version of the kid from his past, and then that man's son. Majid and Majid's son. Mm -hmm. Who I found to be the the most intriguing and interesting characters of the movie. I also will say one of my... I may need to watch this again to kind of maybe see if there's a true criticism or not. One of my criticisms of the movie is that I don't think that anybody but George is a fully fleshed out character. Majid and his son, and then George's son, they're all plot devices. And that's not a bad thing, per se, but we just spend enough time with all of them that I wanted to know them more. And They're explained in the context of George. Yes, and, and, and that is also true about his wife. And that might be because we're supposed to take George's perspective yes. on certain things. Yeah, oh, we watched the movie as Jack Torrance, got it, yes. Um, I thought a, I thought a complaint that you were gonna have was that this is kind of like shot on an iPhone. It's not quite <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> I actually like the cinematography of this movie. Well, because the point of it, so like, it, it feels handheld camera-y for yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. It's because you're not, in a lot of moments, you don't know if you're watching one of the videotapes or if you're actually there with the characters. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you're watching, you're like, oh my gosh. And it's like, oh, phew, there's George. And and I think that, that that was actually an aspect that I really enjoyed because even on those steady long shots, like, there was just enough. It wasn't locked off. You could tell that there was enough movement there that it was supposed like it almost seemed like everything was from that handheld camera point of view which gives you that voyeuristic feel and it always felt like somebody was watching them at all times and and that I really appreciated like he uh, Mikkel um I I got that name down at least Hanukkah uh Hanukkah Mikkel Hanukkah at the very least created this wonderful sense of dread and that he does that by these long shots that are not quite static because it makes you feel like somebody's always in the room with him even when he's alone yeah and i i also think that there are 
I think a lot of this is less of answering all of these questions, but rather just exploring what it means to be in those sensation moments. Right. There, you sent me a picture of the man who's talking about how his birthday was April nineteenth, 17th. Uh, 17th, and like that that story almost has no purpose. It doesn't. It has yeah. However, I guess the point of it, which is similar to the point of the film, is is watching people's reactions mm-hmm. to the story because yeah. the whole story is just like blah 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 blah, talky talky talk dog, and it's building to a dog bit like he's gonna make a sound yeah Yeah. it's like to a joke and it's the reaction of everyone the shock and awe Mm -hmm. like oh i'm like i I think that's the purpose of this yes so one of the filmmakers that i was comparing that i was feeling that uh michael hanukkah was influenced by specifically for this film was hitchcock um you know the one before uh did i talk about m night Shyamalan in my review i think i did (laughs) Oh my god, what? <laughs> no! No! You liked it. Um, I did! You did. I said that this you was a did. better version. Of an M. Night Shyamalan film? Yeah, well, because, yeah. like, like... You're not wrong. I, talk, I compared it to The Sixth Sense, because yeah. I said something like... Because there is a... The final shot of this film possibly changes the context in which you watch the film, in the same way that The Sixth Sense can possibly change the context in watching you. What is the final shot of Cachet? The schoolyard? Oh, yeah, when his son goes to the other son. Okay, well, spoilers. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I can talk about this film without spoiling it. Sorry. You said we were spoiling it, so I spoiled it. Um, and I said I said that this is one. I compared it to the final shot of The Sixth Sense, where, or the final scene of The Sixth Sense, in which you find out that Bruce Willis is a ghost. And I said that that changes the whole emotional journey far more than this final shot changes yes. that one. Agreed. Uh, to the point, although, to that point of, like, well, his son, uh, uh, George's son, already doesn't like him. So, like... There's also the scene with his mom. This is also a, a, a bigger clue for me. The son has a scene with the mom where he's just pissed off at her. Yes. And so, like, it's ma- it makes me wonder if he's also following her for the purposes, and he sees her with that guy, mm-hmm. and he's like, mm, you're cheating. Yeah, and... And so the first time I watched that, I was like, why are you mad, bro? And then... That was a difficult subplot for me to get into, was the whole son-missing arc, only because I, 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 I intellectually understood, like, okay, if I watch this movie again, I'm going to understand more about how this fits into the context of this, of the of the piece. But on first watch, it just felt like... It felt like we were spending time with these two side characters, but not actually deepening their characters at all. We already understood everything about their relationship, and the only revelation that we get is the son believes the mom is having an affair, which I believe is, like, so firmly not true that it's not a revelation, mm-hmm. you know? So it felt like an unnecessary side quest. And, and similarly... Similarly, I felt at the time, but maybe looking back, I don't feel this way. The conversation with his mom. Maybe that just ran on too long for me, but that was also a hard thing for me to get through. Well, they have to explain who Majad is. Yes, they do. And so, like, that, I guess, makes sense. But I feel like I didn't understand who Majad was necessarily from that scene more as more so as when he was explaining it, he being George, to Juliet Binoche's character, Anne. Like, that's when I understood the relationship of Majad. And maybe that's because it was the second time we'd heard it in the movie. And I think that also, I think that that first one, 
is it's a conversation where both parties both parties don't know the whole story but both parties have a good detail of the yes. story and so you get a fuller piece of the story and then when he talks to his wife about it he actually some he reveals more to the wife than he does with the mom yes. because the mom already has the context and so yes. you feel like you actually get a more honest one with Juliet Binoche mm-hmm. than you do with the mom. Yeah, and that's helpful. Um, even though George has been lying to his wife and like leaving her out of the loop, and like her anger at him during this film is so justified because you're like, why are you leaving her out of the loop? I didn't understand that choice. Why didn't you call someone when he killed himself? Yeah, <laughs> like what the crap, dude. What are you, Alex Wolf? <laughs> Sorry, getting, <laughs> gotta get there. Um, that being said, I really, I liked, I liked this movie. It was a fascinating look at these characters, and as I, I actually am enjoying the experience of talking about this movie, I think more so than the experience of watching this movie. And I think if I went back to rewatch it after we've had this conversation, it would mean the film would mean so much more to me. And and that's that's a type of movie that I can very much appreciate. Um, and I really like those types of movies where there's layers upon layers to them. I think that. Um, looking at international film also gives different context. Yeah. While also kind of making you consider your own society. Because there's a lot in here in cachet that I could just see maybe not us putting straight directly into an American film, but has similar themes about it. I mean, there's nothing in this movie, especially in terms of its themes and its what it's wanting to do and its mystery and its characters... You could put this movie in an American city with an American family, easy peasy lemon squeezy. Like, listen, but we don't want to listen to talk talk as much. We don't. I mean, the filmmaking itself would have to be Americanized. Not, I wouldn't even say it would have to be, but it w- it would be Americanized. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even bring Mikel over. Oh, you're gonna funny games it. And like, he could do it here, and it'd be just fine. You're, he... you're gonna funny games sure, it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so what he did is he made a film called Funny Games in 1997, and then he remade it here ten years later. Uh, pretty much just a shot-for-shot remake starring Naomi Watts and Tim Roth. I mean, sure. Let's do it. (laughs) You can even bring Binoche back. Like... Can she speak English? Yes. How do you know this lady? Uh, Julia Binoche has been... She's been in American films. Um, and so I'm trying to think about how I know her. I feel like oh godzilla blue um, red white is she in the clouds of sils maria yes i mean the I've seen english that. patient uh-huh chocolate let the sunshine in yeah she's been in lots of things and the ghost in the shell yeah so like those are the reasons why like, she's just, uh, especially in the 90s, she was just around. Like, she was an actor who was also, she was in Hollywood and in, in uh, French film. So, yeah. But she it was helpful. It, honest, honest to goodness, it was helpful to have a familiar face. Because I was like, ha, I got you. I'm with you. Wait, you don't recognize George? I don't. You don't, you don't, Lupin was there. 
Eminem. He's a familiar face. Why do you think I'm like those Eminem posters? Because <laughs> you want to be a nuisance. <laughs> yep, agreed. Um, I, I guess maybe I'm watching this film wrong. Uh, how do you want to watch it, Josh? I, I want there to be an answer to who is, and this is very American. I understand. Mm-hmm. I want there to be an answer to who was sending the tapes in. It was me. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I was in sixth grade and I, I think, was sending the tapes. I think even if it was like an a random audience member, like and he was wrong, like that would that would put a different meaning on the movie, obviously. But if it was the Mahid and his son, that would put a different read on the movie. But like, I I get why the movie is what it is. I'm not trying to redirect it or things along those lines. I don't think that by giving an answer to that question, you fundamentally change the character arcs or what the movie is about. Because George sucks. George is always gonna suck. And no matter what you do, based on what I've seen, I don't get, when he finds out who it is, he ain't gonna change. Can I make a statement? Yes. I think that something about not showing someone as the perpetrator, yeah. though you can speculate, is that that then beholds George to be uh, held responsible to himself. Fair. Very fair. And having a perpetrator, and perpetrator in a, not in a bad sense, but like the act, person doing it, yeah. then holds him accountable to someone else. Whereas he should have been held accountable to himself. I like that. I like that a lot. And yeah. so I think that that's the reason why he chooses not. I th- That's great. I actually really like that. Um, yeah. Retracted, maybe, kind of. <laughs> I, I mean, I like that a lot as justification. I think I'm just struggling because... You like the mysteries and you like knowing I who do. did it. I do. It's usually women. <laughs> well. Um, yeah. So, yeah good movie really good i'm glad i watched it welcome i'm not now we gotta watch (laughs) oh crap i just saw the picture for it crouching tiger and dragon yeah i'd be on board to watch that we can't though it's been nominated for an oscar uh that's okay no it doesn't match our list well fair we can watch it for other times um i will say this though I don't know if I love Mikel Hanukkah. Josh, I don't expect you to. As a director. You want to know why? Why? Because this sucker <laughs> is one of your freaking favorites. Oh, this sucker <laughs> yeah. being Spielberg? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sucker. He'll never make a name for himself. Sorry, oh, there's sentiment just leaking on this whole shelf. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Do you uh. see sentiment in this film? <laughs> just Eminem. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah. Not, that's not a diss on him. I think he's actually really wonderful. Just maybe not my taste. Which is totally fair. He's a bleak man. He is. Uh, listen, I like some bleak men, okay? Yeah, they also like... Yeah. <laughs> they are nothing if not bleak. Yeah, you also got that fairy tale boy. Yeah, but that fairy tale boy is falling. You have that fairy tale people. Oh, I like those fairy tale people. And that fairy tale people. (laughs) (laughs) Of the things that you like, the outlier is that. The Coens? Yes. Yeah. It's because there's snicks with whimsy. (laughs) 
And I don't think that he had any whimsy in this. He he's known for being bleak. Yes, and that is it's all like that's the word that's always um, described with him. Who's the filmmaker that we're gonna do next? You said somebody. Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, he he puts a little bit of sentiment. Yeah. You, yeah. you care about your family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you. All right, Kylie. Any uh, final thoughts on uh, Cache? Got well, any? We've already t- told everyone what happened. Got any uh, hidden gems up in there still? No, I think that I think this film is clearly easy to follow. Hundred percent, no issues with anything. Uh it's streaming on places where you can buy it for like two or three bucks. N- N- Kylie got me the Netflix uh, DVD, um, and so yeah, it's it's definitely worth your time if you enjoy French movies. If or you, if you like just, Chris Tuckman, yeah. Alright, friends, let's play the Planet Hollywood game. I just saw this picture, not the movie I thought it was for. Oh. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What movie did you think? Uh, There Will Be Blood. Oh, that also makes sense. Milkshake! Oh, but that's just a glass of milk. I know, it is. Batman. It is in here, though, because it's right next to... I'm sorry, this is so... Who drew the pictures? I don't know. Okay, I like the pictures a lot. Zodiac. What, what, what? Oh, I would not put a milkshake there. What would you put? I'd put an oil rig. What does it look like? It's like there's, there's like the, the feet <laughs> of it, like this, like in a pyramid, and then you've got a giant arm over the top, and then you've got another one that's leading down into a hole. But he'll drink your milkshake. He will drink your milkshake, fair enough, but... <laughs> that's, 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 that, that's right. Yes. That was correct. The air pump, Yes. I don't want to do this. Okay. <laughs> I'll win. Okay. Um, name different actors whose first and last name begin with the same letter. Holly Hunter! Um, I'm blanking. Um, Mike Myers! <laughs> I just said it! Yeah. Oh... My bl- yeah, I just blanked. Um. <laughs> nope, got nothing. I don't know actors anymore. No, forget. <laughs> I, they're they're all gone. I don't. It's over. And I'm still like what? Um. My brain first went Jake Gyllenhaal, and I was like, nope, that's a J and a G. <laughs> um, Stellan Sarsgaard. Uh huh. Skarsgård, sorry. Oh, man. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Great, those are the, those are the only ones. My brain also went to, like, Peter Parker, Bruce Banner, um, and all the Marvel ones. Mm-hmm. Great. Hey friends, if you want to join this terrible one. <laughs> hey friends, if you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at friend of a friend podcast at squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes if it's a five star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TWC underscore podcast. YouTube's Watch Together. Tumblr's Dex Watch Together. Letterboxd. Darby ACT and Kelly Gelsher. Thank you so much for listening. I've been 
Josh. I'm Kylie. Quack, 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 quack. quack.